Praise the Lord. I like that song, except I'm not the rock star preacher they're talking about. <laughs> Just want to clarify that. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I have a message. I want to welcome everybody this morning on this Pentecost Sunday. Praise the Lord. Does anybody know what the word Pentecost means? We're going to learn a lot of stuff about Pentecost this morning. As I prepared a message around that kind of, um, I think a lot of times the church just loses loses the sense of Pentecost. We got we've got Christmas down, we've got Easter down as a as a Christian holiday, but seldom do we see Pentecost. And Pentecost, I'm telling you, it rates right up there with Easter. Matter of fact, Easter Pentecost, the word Pentecost actually means fifty. So what happens is we count we count fifty days, and of course Jesus rose on a Sunday. So basically 50 days from that Sunday, we, um, we have Pentecost Sunday, which is so right now, today is 50 days uh, since Easter. So if you didn't know what that means, that's what it means. Uh, Pentecost itself is a Greek word. Now in Hebrew, in the Jewish uh, tradition, basically, guess what? They ce- celebrate Pentecost on Sunday also. Why Sunday? It's called, it's called uh, Shavuot in Hebrew. And Shavuot means the thing. It also means it also has several other names: uh, Feast of the Week, Feast of First Fruits, and so on and so forth. So that's what Pentecost means. Well, what happened was uh, God changed it. If you go to the first Pentecost, the first Pentecost would have been when the um, Israelis came out of Egypt. Remember, we we took the communion this morning, which was fitting for that. It talks about the Passover. Well, the first Passover. Uh, was when they came out, when the death angel passed over, and they came out of Egypt. As Moses led them across the wilderness, on the 50th day, he went to Mount Sinai on that day, and he received the, the, the uh, law of God. Remember, etched in the stone, he came down, and he, had the, and he had the commandments of God. So that was celebrated, it's still celebrated today in the Jewish faith, as Pentecost, or uh, Shavuot. Uh, is, is how I say it, and don't make fun of my Hebrew, it sounds terrible, I know, but, the, the, but anyway, you got the, you got the picture, it's a different word than what we use. So, Pentecost is actually a Greek word, uh, came, in from, came in later in the New Testament. So our second Pentecost, the first Pentecost, happened when Moses get, get the law, the second Pentecost happened in the book of Acts, when the, God poured out His Holy Spirit. I want to talk about that this morning, talk about the different things of Pentecost. But what happened, Leviticus chapter 23, God changed it from a Saturday because everything is done in the Hebrew faith on Saturday or Shabbat. Uh, so the Shabbat, but, he, but God changed this narrative in Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 15, it says this, and you shall count for yourself from the day of the Sabbath from that day that you brought the sheaves, into, uh, in, sheaves of the waves on offering, Seven Sabbaths until be complete. Then in verse 16 it says, Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. In other words, this day after. So basically what the day after Sabbath would be what? Sunday. So he says, okay, count Sunday. So God changed it in the book of Leviticus because the first, the first Pentecost was really uh, Moses on Mount Sinai and getting that. And uh, that was, and basically they would celebrate that on, on, on Shabbat, on, on the Sabbath. But then God changed it in Leviticus. He's now, he said, you're going to do the day after. Why? I kind of like this. This is, really, this is really neat. God was looking ahead. He knew Jesus was going to be raised from the dead on Sunday. I just think that's, that's really Unique, it's powerful. He knew Jesus when he was going to go to the grave, when he was going to raise from the dead. 
So as Jesus rose from the dead, we have Easter Sunday. So that basically, we have 50 uh, days after Easter Sunday becomes a Sunday becomes Pentecost Sunday. Amen. So, so that's how. That's why we do it on Sunday. That's why Pentecost is always on Sunday. Now, it'll change different the calendars. Same way Easter changes a different day to the calendar, as a, you know, uh, because of the Jewish calendar, so on and so forth, and Passover and so on. So, but the, but I like. Uh, um, Pentecost. So Pentecost is kind of kind of neat. It's to read up until the point. I like to go back a little bit. We all know what happened on the day of Pentecost, but I like to read when Jesus first made the announcement. John chapter sixteen. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, uh, Jesus made this announcement uh, in verse seven. He said, "Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. It's expedient or important for you." That I go away. Now I don't know how the, I can only I can only imagine. You can't imagine a more contrary thought to the disciples than Jesus leaving. I can't think of anything. I mean, you, you, how many has ever run across across something? Uh, I was sharing with my leaders this morning in the war room. I said, I said, you know, I said we're looking for understanding before we move. Before we believe anything, we're looking for that understanding. We want God to minister to our understanding. But seldom does he do that. How many has ever had God say something to you or do something for you or have you do something that you didn't have any reason why? You just had to be obedient to it. For whatever reason, God loves mystery. I don't know why he does it, but he, that he just loves it. But I, I believe it's for the uh, purpose of us stepping out in faith, not stepping out of what we know. Because what happens is whenever we get our intellect involved in what God wants to do, it usually messes things up. Did I hear an amen this morning? Amen. It's quiet in this uh, Presbyterian convention. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. But no, this is, this is what it is. So I, I like that. He said, nevertheless, they tell you the truth. It's expedient. It's very important for I go away. It's expedient for you that I go away. He said, for if I do not go away, he said, the comforter, the comforter will not come. It will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And that word comforter in the Greek means this. It means one who is summoned to walk by our side or called be our side. He's also our aid that helps us go through stuff. So Jesus said, okay, isn't it amazing? Jesus in a physical body, in a physical, in his physical being, couldn't be everywhere at one time. I mean, he could be in Jerusalem, he could be in, in the Galilee, he could go to Samaria, he could be all the but he was limited. But he said, it's expedient for you that I go away. It's important for you that I go away, because when I go away, he said, I'll send the comforter, and that comforter can be everywhere, every place, all the time. So basically what Jesus was doing, he was multiplying himself uh, over and over again to where he, the limits, the restrictive limits of the physical body were now taken off of Jesus and placed the spirit of Christ, placed upon us to where now we can be, uh, he can be everywhere every, all the time leading and guiding us. Isn't that great? So I, I, I like that. But I can just sitting at, put myself in the disciples' shoes. They couldn't even understand the crucifixion. They're trying to wrap their head around crucifixion and Jesus said, I'm done with the part. So if they couldn't understand the crucifixion or the resurrection, they were, they were having, how many would agree they were having problems with understanding? How many has ever had problems with understanding what God told them to do? 
I have one big, I had one big problem with God understanding is why he called me Key West. I'm not from this town. Uh, I have no relatives in this town. I do now, but I mean, before when I first came here, but 32 years ago, he called me to be here in Key West. Why? I, I, I wrestled with it. So then I said, well, I know it's God. I'm going to be obedient. So I, was, I started out in obedience. As long as I start out in obedience, that obedience begin to, to wear on me. Why am I here? Because I didn't have the answer of why. And all God was looking for, he, says, he wasn't looking for my, to, to answer my why, but he was to say, are you willing to be here for me? And basically, that's what it came down to. So here I am 32 years later, I said, no, I said, this, this is where God has placed me. For whatever reason he's placed me here, I don't know, but I'm going to be here and preach the truth that he's given me, and we've done that for 32 years. And then he said, he said, I'm going to give you a, a, a ministry that has an international uh, vision. Oh, what does that mean? Well, I found out what that means because I'm from Key West, from this little two-by-four island stuck out in the middle of the Atlantic, uh, this little island that you can drive to, by the way, um, it, but the fact is this little island, the southernmost city in the United States, I have been to five different continents of the world from right here. And I've got, taken every flight from Key West Airport, well, usually Key West Airport to Miami or to Orlando or someplace like that, the connecting flight, but I don't drive up US-1. I come from, <laughs> from the airport here. But, he is, but God has used uh, this church to minister to people all around the world. Not only the people that I've gone to, but the people that come here from around the world because this is a great tourist uh, place and, and, and we get visitors from all over the world. So we see that international vision. Did I understand it? No. Most of what God tells me a lot of times I don't understand, and, but I do generally find out in the walk. Generally find out as we take the steps, we, it begins to unfold because then you can see how he works and be in the things he, he's done. So the thousands of thousands of people that we minister from Key West, not counting overseas, from Key West is because we stood and did what he called us to do. We would never see those conversions. We would never see those people uh, say if, if we're, they would, I mean, God could use somebody else, but we wouldn't say it. So when God asks us to, 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 when he tells us something, it's usually for our benefit, and he wants us involved in that, whether we understand it or not. If you're always going to wait for an understanding of your brain, you may be a while. You, you may be carrying on without change for a long time. Praise the Lord. So I mean, we know it's to reach out in faith. He says, um, but he, he's, the, uh, the similar scripture, he says, oh, he said, that he's, oh, let me finish. I didn't finish the verse. In, in verse 8, he says this, he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Luke 24, 49 says this, he said, behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You've got that. Praise the Lord. So basically, he's going away. He's sending something that the disciples did not understand. We're tarrying in Jerusalem, but we don't know what we're looking for. So we're supposed to tarry. He doesn't say for how long. We don't know how long we're going to be here, and we don't know what we're looking for. Amen? Jesus, Jesus showed himself after the resurrection to over 500 people. But when he come to the upper room in Acts chapter 2, we have 120 but here's the miracle part. We have 120 in one place. Now, that's not the miracle. We can get more than that in one place. 
miracle places, we have, one, we have 120 people that are in agreement. Listen to it. Listen to this. Listen to how this is. Now, 120 people that are in agreement that were here, we don't know how long, to see we don't know what. And we're to pray diligently for 10 days. I know Christians can't pray for 10 minutes. But we're in this place. We're in the upper room, what they call the upper room. We're in this place. What does it look like? What's God say we're going to do? He said, didn't say. He just said, just stay here. For how long? He didn't say. We're just going to stay here until something happens. And that was the birthing of what you see as the New Testament church today. That was his birthing. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to go to, jump to different scriptures this morning if you want to just jot them down or follow along if you, if you can. <clears throat> when the day of Pentecost had fully come, this is Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. See, the day of Pentecost fully come. 50 was already fully come. It was already here. It wasn't the eve. It wasn't after. It was right on that day. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were, one, uh, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. suddenly. How many times I've seen that word, and how many times have God intervened on a situation, and that suddenly is exactly what it says. This church will tell you, my church leader will tell you, I said, when something's going to happen, it's going to happen around here, it's going to happen suddenly. How many, raise your hand, how many, how many people have seen things suddenly? <laughs> it's about everybody. <laughs> now, I've said that, right? I said, when God comes in, I said, sometimes you come in here, and it's just going to be suddenly God's going to do something. Suddenly God's going to... Uh, when I was here this morning, I was just listening. I was worshiping the, 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 with, the, with everybody else and sitting in the front row here, and the music was going, right? and all of a sudden, God says, he said, I want you to, I want you to have the music team uh, call out the sickness and diseases. We haven't done that quite that way before, and I've never done that without cueing the music team. Or cueing anybody. No cue, just get up there. I thought, sit there thinking, I said, you know what? I could get up there and I could point to people and they wouldn't have nothing. <laughs> and, and I'm going to be the only one you know, bringing this thing forward. But of course, that didn't happen. But I, I sat there and this is what I think. This is just foolish enough or sounds ridiculous enough to be God. <laughs> this is just something he would do. If I had any doubts in my own mind, this was God. This is exactly what God would do. Why? Because it makes no sense to my natural mind. I mean, you just give it to me. I can speak. I can pray. I can give it to the elders. I can give it to the deacons. We can pray for people. Just give it. No, no. He said, I want, I want each individual up on the music team uh, to go ahead and, and, uh, and, and, and bring. And it worked out beautifully. Praise the Lord. It always does when it's him. But anymore, anytime I, I, I hear something, I say, you know what? This is just how God will work. Why? What he's looking for, he's looking for, are you willing to set your dignity aside for him? <laughs> now, I would call 120 people in one accord in one place, not knowing how long they're going to be there, not knowing what they're going to see when they get there. I would say that's putting their dignity aside for the Lord. Are we willing to give up our dignity, our rights, our rights to dignity, to do something for the Lord? And the watch this suddenly came in. Praise the Lord. Let me continue reading. Amen. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared uh, to them divided tongues 
uh, uh, as of fire on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen? Verse 5, it says, it says, and there were dwe- they, were dwelling in, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, devout men of God, okay, devout men, every nation under the heavens. And when, they, when, they, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. You get, that, you, you get this down. So every devout Jew from all around the place that spoke different languages all heard the language. Some people think that's the miracle that they heard in their own language. It doesn't say every language was spoken. It says they heard every language, which I believe is what happened. I don't believe everyone was speaking every language that was there. But that's not what gathered them. Can you imagine? Let me, let me give you an illustration. How many are familiar with Miami? Uh, so that would be like going to Miami. Let's gather around, have a prayer meeting. And all of a sudden, we begin to pray in tongues, but everybody hears us speak in Spanish. Is that going to attract any attention? Not in Miami. Most of us bilingual anyway. So nobody's going to pay any attention to it. I think it's the same here, all in Jerusalem. Why? Because it's Pentecost. They're here for the, for the holiday. They were here for the feast. And now this is a Sunday, the day after Pentecost. Okay, the, or the, the, uh, I'm sorry, the day after uh, the 50 day. 50th day after the Passover. So they're here for the Pentecost feast on Sunday. And here they come Sunday morning. And the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus promised, is descended upon them. But it, let me go back a little bit. It says, for they were in one place, in one cord, suddenly it came a sound from heaven. I don't believe they were gathered because they heard, heard the language being spoken in their own tongue. That's not a big deal. There was other Jews that spoke the same language they did. But what they heard, they heard a sound from heaven that was audible, that was loud enough to gather all these men to see what was going on. Amen? It's amazing because what happened at the first Pentecost, if you remember, Moses himself went up on Mount Sinai. This was the first Pentecostal. This is 50 days uh, from the Passover in Egypt. This is 50 days. This is 50 days. He's up there. And thunder and lightning is going on. He's up there for 40 days. He, he, how many days did Jesus show himself? 40 days, which meant 10 days left to Pentecost, which is the 10 days they were praying and prepared themselves for 10 days at listening to the Lord and what was going to happen. Amen? So what happened was Moses came down and gave the law. When he came down, what did, what did, he, what did Moses see when he came down from Mount Sinai? He saw his people that God had just done miracle after miracle plague upon plague after, of uh, Egypt. Now that he comes down, and what does he see? He sees a golden calf, and he sees them worshiping an idol. After he has just been with the Lord, and they're screaming at him, cover your face. Your face is shining. We don't want to see the glory. Cover your face. Amen? On that particular Pentecost, 3,000 men died. But when now we go to the Pentecost here, where the spirits poured out, guess what? 3,000 3, men are saved. So the first Pentecost, the law, and it goes with what Paul was saying, he said, the letter of the law killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So God didn't send His Holy Spirit here to kill or to, or, or to cause judgment. He sent His Holy Spirit here to save. Amen? Are we here this morning? 
Praise the Lord. Peter, of course, he, after this happens, Peter steps out and he starts to preach. It says in, 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 in verse 14, in second, uh, second Acts, verse 14, it says, Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, all of you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. These are not drunk as you suppose, because this is what they're accusing them. This was so strange that these guys are drunk. And uh, they said, no, it's not drunk, it's too early in the day. <laughs> Why Peter said that, I do not know. I'm just reading, I mean, this is what it says, you know. Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it can't be drunk, it's only 9 o'clock. <laughs> like what, we don't get drunk till after 12 or what? Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know. That's what it says, I don't know. Uh, you, you can interpret what you want out of that. But it, he said, no, but what was spoken here by the prophet Joel, he said, it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And it's Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. He said, what you're seeing here has been prophesied, it's been spoken of. These events have been prophesied. You are seeing the prophecy of hundreds of years. Now, fast forward, you're seeing it come to pass. We're looking forward to what God is about to do next. Okay? Uh, I don't know if it's going to happen on the day of Pentecost, but we're lo looking for Jesus to come back for his second coming. It hasn't happened yet. We don't know how long is that, but we're called to stay into unity until it happens, aren't we? Praise the Lord, just like the upper room. So just like they waited for the Holy Spirit to descend upon them. Amen? Suddenly it happened. One day it suddenly said, okay, we're no longer waiting. This, this, it happened. We're here. It did it. Wow. Now what? In some cultures, in some faiths, basically they think this is a one-time event. This only happened one time. You know, it happened one time in the Bible. This is how it happened, and, 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 and so on and so forth. But that's not true. Amen? That's not, it, it happened more than once, and it continued to happen. Acts chapter 19, verse 6. This is 24 years after what I just mentioned after this event. Paul comes up, and he runs across the converts of John, John the Baptist. And he says, and he talks to him about the Holy Spirit. And they said to him this, we have not heard of such a thing as the Holy Spirit. So, so Paul backs up and he says, now listen, remember this, this is 24 years later. Paul says, in what baptism were you baptized under? And they said, we were baptized under John's baptism, a baptism of water. And Paul says, oh, he said, that's the baptism of repentance. He said, in hearing this, Paul laid his hands on them and prayed, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. It's what it says right here, Acts chapter 19. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. That's 24 years after Pentecost. So it didn't stop. It kept on going and kept on going and kept on going and kept on going. Interesting. Praise the Lord. Amen? So why? Why would God get these people together, whoever it was, it happened to be 120, stick them in a room, make them wait 10 days, and then pour out the Spirit? All because of prophecies that had been spoken previous to that. There was a prophecy being fulfilled even as they were. If you look at Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 9, here's what happened. 
He says, it says this in Zephaniah 3.9. It says, for then I will restore, this is God speaking, I will restore to the people a pure language that they all may call on the name of the Lord. A pure language. You can go to any culture, any language, I've been around the world, and guess what? In that language, there will be something that isn't pure. How many know in that, in that unpure language, you can gossip, you can tailbear, you can lie. Saray, you speak Spanish. Can they lie in Spanish? Can they curse in Spanish? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I hung around with some people uh, that were Greek when I was a kid. I picked up a Greek curse word. So I know, even in Greek, <laughs> they, can, they can curse and, and swear and different things like that. But he said, no. He said, I'm going to give you, a, I'm going to restore to the people a pure language. Pure. That means honest, pure. Isn't that amazing? When they were speaking in tongues in the upper room, nobody was cursing. All they could speak, as long as they're speaking in tongues, they're speaking blessings. They're speaking the things God is wanting to speak. And this is what Zephaniah was saying. He said, for that I will restore. This is in the Old Testament. For that which I will restore to the people, a pure language, and they all may call on the name of the Lord. Could they all call on the name of the Lord? Everyone. Didn't have to go to a priest. Then the, the, the sacrificial sacrifices ended with Christ. He was the last, he was a sacrifice. And the Bible calls him the firstborn of many brethren. So guess what? God did a, a shift in everything. So the 120 that are waiting for, we don't know what, uh, in a place we don't know where, uh, you know, in, in one room for we don't know how long. Turned out 10 days in this one upper room, and God began to pour out on his spirit. But he said this to the prophet Joel. He said, I'm your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. If you look before that, in the time of Jesus, like I shared with you before, when he sat down and he fed the 5,000, they only counted the men. They didn't count women, they just counted the men. So there could have been men, as many as 10 to 15,000 when you count women and children involved in that thing when, when feeding. But now, all of a sudden, women also matter. And Jesus poured the Spirit on them. And he said, they will prophesy also. Amen. Are you here? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, years ago, I found a scripture. When I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I found a scripture, Isaiah 28, 11, and it made sense to me. And Isaiah says this, he said, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. So God sets up the line of communication, one that we cannot corrupt with jealousy, wrangling, lying, cheating, cursing. We can't do it. You can't do that in this language that God has poured out upon his people. It's a pure language that goes from our spirit straight up to his throne. Fulfilled the prophecy, Zephaniah 3.9. Praise the Lord, look it up. So why language? If you go back to the book of Genesis, and Genesis 11, this is another thing God showed me years ago. It's in Genesis 11, and verse 1 says this, Now the whole earth was one language and one speech. You see that? The whole earth was one language and one speech. In other words, they all talked the same language. There wasn't the multitude of languages that we have today. Oh, my goodness, multitude of languages. Um, I was in 
uh, Ghana, West Africa. I know Ghana for sure, and it's all through West Africa. It's not just Ghana. When I was in Ghana, West Africa, I, I, I used to travel with at least four interpreters. Now, Ghana, West Africa, if you look on a map, it isn't any bigger than probably the state of New Jersey. It was just a small landmass. But the people there, there are, get this, there are 16 major, 16 major tribal languages in Ghana. That's the major ones. That's the ones everybody, you know, back and forth. Each tribe had their own language and so on and so forth. So right now, today, there's 16 major languages, not counting all the offshoots of smaller groups of their own language. So to try to communicate is something else. Praise the Lord. Amen. Can I point something out? Go back to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9. It says, for I will restore to the people a pure language. You see that word? Take that word restore. That means it happened once before, and now it's going to happen again according to the Lord. Now we come up to, to Genesis 11. The whole earth spoke of one language. Amen? Amen. But in verse 5, Genesis 11, verse 5, it says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. How many remember Nimrod and, uh, uh, built the tower, and he was going to build a tower to heaven, reach to heaven, and so on and so forth. So what happened, he was doing this. There's theories, there's not a whole lot in Scripture that talks about Nimrod, by the way, but they, he was leading the people in building this huge tower. And they were making bricks and firing them and so on and so on, using brick for stone, and it made this brick tower that went all the way up uh, in height. Uh, I think it was um, the historian uh, uh, Josephus said that the reason he did that because they were afraid of God destroying the earth with a flood again. So they were going to have flood insurance. Like God couldn't make the water go higher. <laughs> you know, but anyway, so they, they were, in other words, they were in your face. We're smarter than God. We're better than God. And they had this one language. So everybody on the whole planet, this is after the flood, this is all Noah's descendants, everyone on the whole planet spoke the same language. And this is what God said. God came down in verse 5, but the Lord came down to see the tower, see the city and the tower which the sons of man had built. And verse 6 says, And the Lord said, the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they began to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. In other words, as long as they're in unity with one language, one speech, they can do whatever they want. So God came down. This is when the, uh, we call it the Tower of Babel. But when he came down, he confused the languages. And that's how you have the languages today. God has actually given us the languages. Now he says in Zephaniah, I will restore. What's he restoring? From the time of the Tower of Babel, I'll restore a language. And this is what he did on the day of Pentecost. He poured out by his spirit and the speaking in tongues became his language that was purified that you cannot, that you cannot corrupt. And he gave it pure language. It's a language that goes right back to him and communicates with him. It's a heavenly language. Praise the Lord. Amen. So he did, Zephaniah 3.9 has come to pass on the day of Pentecost. It was absolutely fulfilled. And God gave the language, well, he gave all the other languages, and he also gave, well, he gave all the languages we have today on the planet were given by God. 
So what happens as soon as he as soon as the, he hit the Tower of Babel uh, supernaturally? Then what happens? Everybody had to go along and find somebody else to speak to your language. I don't know if you've ever been in a foreign country where you didn't speak the language. I've been in several, and and, and well, for I don't speak Spanish. I was in Guatemala oh, several times. I've been to Guatemala. Pastor Mike's church, a good friend of mine, and uh, down there in Guatemala, and I've been there. And you sit in the service. I can sense the spirit that's in the service but I don't know a word they're saying. They even put it up on the screen, they're singing their songs, and I can't read Spanish either. So unless I have, you get a, 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 you know, an interpreter like I had Fernando to, to interpret everything they're saying, but by the time the service man, he'd be wrung out, trying to talk in both languages, everything is being said, and so that's not fair. So you sit there, and you really, like I said, in a church you have a sense of the spirit. If it's not a church setting, you really feel isolated. You feel like kind of, well, there's no agreement here. Remember he said, he says, in one accord. He said, to serve him with one accord. I'm, I'm, I'm referring again to three, Zephaniah 3.9. He says, I'll restore people with a pure language, and they may call on the name of the Lord and serve him in one accord. What did he confuse the language before? The Tower of Babel? Became, the word Babel means confusion, or conceived in confusion. So what happened? What confused the Tower of Babel was God changed everybody's language and gave all the different languages and they couldn't understand each other. So there was no unity to come in one accord against him. Okay, what they were, what they were bent to do. So instead, what happens is he said, now he says, I'm going to restore unto my people. So when he poured out his spirit, your sons and your daughters will do what? Will prophesy. Your young men will have what? Will have visions. Your old men will do what? Dream dreams. And guess what? The visions, the dreams, and the prophecies all got to come together to God's will, what He wants done in the earth. And we're going to be able to serve. Where did that start? When the outpouring of the Holy Spirit hit in the upper room. I'm telling you, Pentecost has been kind of shoved aside as far as a holiday, but it's one of the most celebrated things we should do as a Christian is celebrate Pentecost. I mean, it ranks up there with Easter. Easter sets you free from your sin when Jesus, the resurrection of Christ, set us free, gave us hope, brought us back to the Father. Then what happens is the day of Pentecost, God poured out, the Father poured out his spirit. And that spirit came upon us. Now we have not only uh, uh, his hope of salvation, but now we have what he said, the empowerment. Jesus said this, he says, you go to Jerusalem, he said, and Terry, wait for it. Wait for the Holy Spirit, the comfort to come upon you. He said, then be my witnesses in Samaria and Judea and the othermost parts of the world. How many know at that point we were called to make disciples of Christ? Not converts, disciples. What's a disciple? Disciples when it learns, when it's a learned one. So let me ask you this. I've heard another preacher ask the same question. It's not mine, but it is. He said this. When, if you stop learning, we stop becoming disciples. If we stop seeking things in church, if church becomes a bother to us, are we still disciples? Or is church an opportunity? Is it an opportunity? Did we have an opportunity this morning as we come together? Was there an opportunity here to come in face to face with God? Yes, because he said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. Amen? So there's an opportunity. Why are so many people nowadays want to cut out that opportunity? I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. But one of the going to the church and coming together as believers is one of the greatest things we have. This is how the church started. Upper room, 120 people, 
We don't know how long we're going to be here. I've been in revivals like that. <laughs> I've been in revivals where we started out at, at 7 o'clock at night, uh, started the service, and I got out at 1 in the morning. Got up and went to work the next day. But the fact is, I mean, I've been in revivals, and nobody understood. They didn't, even, they didn't even look at a watch, didn't even think about the, the time. So, like one guy said, he said, the only reason we wear watches in this church is so we can see if the calendar moves. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There was a, a drive, a, a hunger for the things that God has. I believe that hunger is going to happen again. I really do. I believe it's going to happen again. Religion, religion itself has changed the gospel of the kingdom to the gospel of salvation. When Jesus said, if you tarry, you're going to be empowered. What do we need empowerment for? Well, let's look at some of the things that Jesus did. Can we take the, Jesus as an example of what the church should be doing? Okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 20, 23 says, And Jesus went to Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. Did you catch that? What he preached? The gospel of the kingdom. And then what happened? He healed all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Then Jesus went about the, all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease of the people. What do you see? Do you see a pattern here? Amen? Of course, Matthew 24, verse 14 says, And then the, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. It seems like Preaching of the gospel of the kingdom precedes healings and miracles. Because Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom, and then the people were healed. He preached the gospel of the kingdom, then people were converted or saved. He preached the gospel of the kingdom, and lives were changed. That gospel of the kingdom is what needed to be preached. But when Jesus went and told me, he says, I, it's expedient it's, it, the, for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not occupy the same space as me. Basically what he's saying. He said, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, or the Comforter, it's called the Comforter. He's supposed to stand by your side. He's supposed to... But when does he move? When does the Comforter move on God's behalf? When God's Word is being preached. When the kingdom, the Gospel of the Kingdom, the good news of the Kingdom of God is preached, then the Comforter moves. He does, he's not your servant or your slave that you just command of all your wishes and all your wants and desires. Amen. No, he said, when the gospel of the kingdom seems to precede the miracles and the healing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Help anybody this morning. Amen. Amen. When we gather in church, you know, there's a big difference. I heard this years ago. There's a big difference between graveyards and nurseries. I said there's a big difference between graveyards and nurseries. One has order, the other has life. <laughs> I want to say that again, some of you are sleeping. Uh, so the fact is, the difference between graveyards and nurseries, one has perfect order and the other has life. Amen? We may not do everything correctly uh, in, in, in the order that we desire, but there's life. The gospel of the kingdom works that way. It may not be as orderly as we think it is. What was orderly about 120 people sitting in an upper room and all of a sudden there was a noise from heaven 
to shake the place, a rushing mighty wind coming through, and all of a sudden flames of fire perch on each one of them. Remember what John said, he said, he said, the one's coming that's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Interesting, isn't it? Holy Ghost and fire. What landed on the tops of the heads of all the 120? Fire. The ability. Jesus says you'll preach with the, he says you'll go forth into Samaria, all the other most parts of the earth, with power and authority. He said, but tarry in Jerusalem where you'll receive the power. Amen. I looked up that word fire in the Greek, and what it really means, it doesn't mean like a burning flame. It means like lightning. How many have ever seen a lightning strike? Whammo, all of a sudden it hits. It's sudden. It's the suddenlies of God that came in, in like an electrical shock, and begins to change things around it. Praise the Lord. That's the power he's talking about. Amen? The authority comes under the name of Jesus. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Am I helping anybody this morning? This holiday that is celebrated by some and not by others, I'm telling you, this is a holiday that deserves, or a day that deserves the attention that, that it is earned. Let me put it this way. It, 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 we need to spend more attention on, the, on, on Pentecost. But this was a fantastic day. This is actually the birthing of the church, any way you look at it. Because from that point on, from that one day, the day of Pentecost, the 50th day after, uh, uh, the 50th day after Passover, or the 50th Sunday after Passover, I should put it that way, um, it, was, it was a changing of the entire church. The church never went back to be the same. So Jews that were practicing in the synagogue one way became uh, to, converted to Christ and began to practice in a whole different way even their own Judaism. Every, it changed everything. It changed the whole... They're no longer satisfied with just a warmed-over religion. They wanted more. They wanted more. And were willing to pay for it at any price. Any price. I say any price. Any price. Because later on, the, the Roman Empire would, would persecute such people for the, for the zeal towards Christ, and it didn't stop them. Matter of fact, some of them considered it the greatest honor to be martyred for Christ. Why? Because it was something greater than the emperor of Rome. It was something greater than all the countries. It was something greater than what any of this earth can su supply us. We have an end. We have a language that has brought us together. We have a language that we're in one chord. A pure language that goes to the Lord. We don't have to think about our prayers and try to inter interject our intellect or our knowledge. But we can pray and God hears us. He hears us from our spirit. He hears us from our heart. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. I like one preacher said, he said one time, he says, he says you know, he says, um, uh, I'm praying God for a new Ferrari. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. He said, then I pray in tongues. He said, what happens? He said, the, the, the Holy Spirit praying on me. He says, don't give him that car. He'll kill himself. <laughs> so, so I'm praying for one thing, but the Holy Spirit's praying another thing. And purely, no, don't give him that. No, he's, no, he'll go crazy. No, don't give him that. So, so, so praise the Lord. What happens as we pray in the Spirit? We get the purest prayer that comes out of our spirit, goes right to the Lord. A spirit, a language that is pure. A language that is pure. A language that cannot be corrupted. Help me by this morning? Yes, Praise the Lord. Well, I hope this does Pentecost justice for you. Amen.
but uh, the day of Pentecost is, is, is a, was, a, was an earmark. It was, a, it was um, the change of an era. It was a lot of things. Not the first, well, the first Pentecost was too, but the second Pentecost changed everything because God had moved it. Why did he shift it? Because he knew his son would raise up on, on Sunday. And he knew 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, Christ became the new Passover. You understand that? We took communion. I had the, I had the five chalices on the, on the communion table. In those five chalices, you will find it. Christ is in every one of those chalices. Every one of those things representative that went back to the Passover in Egypt, Christ is our representative in all those things. Yeah, amen. amen. We play the shofar and we talk about, I talk about the Jubilee blast and how the year of the Jubilee. What's the Jubilee? The Jubilee is after seven Shemitahs. Shemitah is seven years. After, on the Jewish calendar, when you go seven Shemitahs, that's seven times seven is 49. The 50th year becomes a Jubilee year. And everybody is set free from bondages. Guess what Jesus did? Okay, when he came, he sets free from the bondage of sin. Yeah. We've been set free. So Jesus has the, the entire Jubilee is in Jesus. Everything you see in the Old Testament, you can relate it to Christ, is already found in Christ in the New Testament. When he sent the Comforter, he took the very personality, he took the very life, he took the very power for miracles, everything that he had in the Holy Spirit, and he sent it to us. So what happened was the language had to accompany the power so it could not be corrupt. Are you here? It could not be corrupt. It's the one thing we cannot corrupt. It is pure and pure and holy. And that's, that's where the power and the association comes from. Amen? We get any other word this morning? Praise the Lord. I, I looked at this. Man, I said, you know what? I've... I said, we need to spend, pay more attention. <laughs> I know I do anyway. To pay more attention. When Jesus said a comforter, I think, one tra- I think the other translations say helper. Some help, say helper, some say comforter. We look at that as a s- servant or a comforter, like it comes up to all poor us. No, that's not what he's talking about. If you look at it in, in the Greek, it's talking about, no, he's one that's there. He's, a, he's, he's summoned to our benefit, but he, it's only activated in God's will. Do you have that? It's not ours to do what we want with. Amen. Amen? Praise the Lord. And I like that. You can't curse anybody in tongues. It's a pure language to work in one accord. Father, we thank you for your word to go forth this morning. We give you praise and we give you honor. We thank you for this day, the day of Pentecost, 50. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for 50. <laughs> the 50. The 50th day after Easter Sunday, we have Pentecost Sunday this morning. And Lord, we thank you. May this message be an eye-opener. May this message be a new awakening or, to, for, or a new understanding of what you have did, done and what you have given to us. And we thank you, Father God, for that language. I thank you for a prayer language. I thank you. Jude, the book of Jude in, in, in verse 20 says this. It says, building yourself of the most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. There's a prayer in the Holy Spirit that is a pure prayer that cannot be, in, that cannot be messed up, cannot be muddled up simply by our feelings or wish or wants or desires or anything else. But it is a pure prayer unto the Lord. 
He said, but what it does, it comes back and it activates our faith to trust and, and, and walk in the uh, promises of God. I like that. Amen? So praise the Lord. We have the promises of God and we got the Holy Spirit and we just thank Him for that this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you in Jesus. I thank you for all the ears that heard this morning. May they be ears to hear, Father God. And may they have hands to work and feet to walk. The gospel that you've given us and the path that you laid before us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.